Good morning, everyone. Come on, both campuses, we can do a little better than that. Good morning, everyone. Now that's good, that's good. Hey, shout out to Maple Grove and all our friends that are worshiping there. Woohoo! what's up? We love you guys, and in Spring Lake Park, we love you too. <laughs> Uh, when, I, when I think about days like today, I get super pumped because I think about the people of God coming together. It was a good thing to come to church today. And uh, you could do a hundred other things, but there's nothing better than you can do right now. You're in a good place. It's a good thing that you came to church. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, it's a good thing you came to church today. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we're, we're diving into a kind of a standalone Sunday, meaning we're not in the middle of a series, but we are joining and connected to people around the world. Around the world, churches are celebrating the birthday of the church, or Pentecost Sunday. In Acts chapter 2, the church was essentially launched into her calling around the world. In fact, the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2 in such a way that the people that left that room changed the world. And it became this ripple effect known throughout the entire world. It was powerful. It was the birthday of the church. And churches are celebrating that because how many know God's not done doing new things through his church? And he's not done doing new things through this church. And so today, I, I have the privilege of saying, hey, as a church, let's do a Greater Faith Sunday. Back in January, we had our Greater Faith Weekend where we said we we're going to set aside time just to pursue God. And, you know, in everyday, ordinary life, uh, we get so busy that even church can become a ritual. It can become a, this, just go through the motions, and then you walk out and go, what just happened? But we want to take and pause and have opportunity to meet with God. And, uh, and so at the beginning of the service, you might have noticed worship was a little bit shorter today. Uh, we wanted to get right to the word, which I'll speak hopefully short in just a few minutes. And then we're going to give extended time for worship at the end of our service uh, after I preach to both of our campuses so that we can pursue and meet with God. How many know we need a fresh touch from God? Everyone does. Amen. And so um, I'm excited about the opportunity for us to do that today. In fact, I want you to do this. I want you to stand up. We're going to make this a little different. Um, on both campuses, go ahead and stand up. I want to do something I've done with coaching, uh, sports. Uh, but when you're about to go into something new, you got to let go of some of the things of where you've been. And uh, some things can build up like plaque on a teeth. You can end up having things built up a little bit. Some of you are like rubbing your teeth with your tongue right now wondering. But uh, this is what I do. I said, before we go into the big event, before we're ready to go after whatever's next, we need to shake off wherever we've been. So I want to, I want to give a 10-second shake off where you get rid of everything. So just do this. Just shake it off. Come on. Just, just shake it off. Come on. There we go. You're shaking off everywhere. Wherever you've been, you're just shaking it off, loosening up. All right, that's enough. You can stop. Some of you are still going. Wow. And uh, we're shaking off where we've been. And now we have an opportunity to receive all that God has for us. In fact, I'm praying that God would meet each and every person. Everyone here has a different life experience. Your story is different than perhaps the per people that are next to you. But the same God meets every person's needs. And today, I want a new hunger. I want a fresh touch from God. In my life, even while I'm preaching, I hope you want more of God for you and your life and for your family. So let's call upon God. Can you just throw your hands up to heaven? Can you do that? And just say with me, just pray right now. Father, we just ask God that you would move in a mighty way in our lives, that as we 
we've shaken off the past, as a manual, as a church, we would be hungry for all that you have in a fresh way this very day. Lord, we ask, oh God, for those of us that don't even want you, that we're not even hungry, that God, you would put a hunger inside of us, a thirsting for you, oh God, and for those that are weary, that you would strengthen and encourage, and it would be refreshing in this moment. And Lord, we also pray for those, oh God, that are on a journey of discovery. They've yet to know you. I pray, God, that they would find you and their eyes would be open just a little bit more to you today than they were the yesterday. We thank you. We commit our lives to you even in this moment. We're hungry for more. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and sit on down. <laughs> the title of my message today is so, so Now You Know. Say that with me. So now you know. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, so now you know. <laughs> you ever feel like you were on the outside of a secret? That people had access to some information that you didn't have? A group of friends had something and you were like wondering, how do I get there? I don't know the secret. I don't I have the keys to unlock the door. Um, I, I know for me, I never realized the beauty of a trip to a warmer climate for a vacation in the middle of the winter. We're tough here in Minnesota, but winter is long. And uh, a few years ago, for the first time in the middle of the winter, because every January I start getting, Bleh. and uh, I know nobody else here does. And, and uh, Jody and I went on a vacation just for a few days to our warmer climate where there was a beach and I got out in the sun, and I'm telling you, all of a sudden I started getting happy again. And uh, I mean, there's scientific reasons for that, but then there's also just that sense of a break and getting into warmer air, and I could make it. Well, since then, I, uh, I attempt to find a warm place every January that I can go even for a couple days, because uh, now I know. Now I know the difference that it makes for the rest of my year, and so I want to I, I take care of my life, my rhythm, even how I feel, and so I schedule it in, so now I know. I remember uh, the beauty of the day that a DVR came into our house, and it was the most incredible invention because during a sports activity, at the right at the height of the most important moment of a game, Jody, my most important person in my life, wanted to have a conversation with me. And since the DVR came into my, in my life, I can pause the game because it's not as important as Jody, and I can turn and I can give her full attention, and then I can go back and not miss anything in the game. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So now I know I don't want to go, ever go back to what life was like before then. Uh, I remember I was, I was going to be, uh, in the days before Jody, I was, gonna, I was a bachelor to the rapture. I was never going to get married. And I wanted to give all of my life, 100% to God and serving him. And I don't need no woman kind of attitude. <laughs> Weigh me down. And then I started liking Jody. And now, all of a sudden, I started feeling things I had never felt before. And now I couldn't imagine life without her, and we got engaged and then married, and I loved her, and there was something in me. I can't go back. You know what I'm saying? So now that I know and have experienced something that did not exist before, I can't go back. How many of you, before Jesus, you didn't realize how cool it was to walk with Jesus? You didn't realize that it was freeing and good. And you looked at church people and went, man, they go to church a lot. They're religious. And 
They don't do all the things I do. And you looked at them like they were silly and stupid. But then when you gave your life to Jesus, how many know the whole world changed? You started seeing things just a little bit differently. And now you know you can't go back. One of, every one of us in here, I hope that you will experience a transforming moment with God. Because if you do, you're wrecked. Because you can't go back. Over the years, I've had many people that uh, were once in youth ministry days when I would, uh, was a youth pastor in the days when I was at North Central and I'd travel and speak in camps, conventions. I saw teenagers meet with God and they were wrecked. And as they grow and they become adults and they chase their own way or whatever, and perhaps they kind of wander away from the faith a bit, they're wrecked because they know there is a place they need to get back to. They know that there is such a thing as a real God. And religion doesn't cut it. Church attendance won't get you what you can only get from God. Can I get an amen? The wreck. So now you know. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 18 with me. And there's a moment in the, uh, in the scriptures as you watch kind of the, the unfolding of the church. So Acts chapter 2, the church is born. And then it begins to spread, the church does, throughout the known world from uh, across continents and in different nations and cities. And the story of Jesus spreads everywhere. By the time we get to Acts chapter 18, it's reached a city called Ephesus. And Ephesus has people that are coming to the faith. And, and there's this guy named Apollos. And Apollos is a polished preacher. In fact, in verse 24 of Acts 18, it says that he was an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well. He was a really good speaker. You know, perhaps you, you know, if I were to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one interview with you, I'd say, who are the top three people that you've ever heard preach? And you can't name me. <laughs> uh, I just kind of get my name out of it. People often will come up, oh, I remember a sermon I heard from so-and-so. And they were so good at talking about this subject. Or my life was changed when they talked. Apollos was one of those guys that everybody kind of loved to listen to. He was articulate. He was enthusiastic. He had an accurate word, it says there in, in Acts 18. And then verse 25, though, it says, however, he knew only about John's baptism. He knew only about John's baptism. Now, this is an interesting phrase because Apollos is preaching the word, but he had limitations. He could only preach about the things that he knew. So up till that point in time, he could only communicate the things that he knew about. And apparently there were some things that he didn't know about yet, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you and I are no different than that. We can only give away to other people what we know. Whatever your life experience is, whatever you've gone through, that's what you share with other people. You don't share stuff you don't know about because it's not in you yet. I, I've walked alongside people who've come to faith in Jesus, and, and as they, they get saved and they begin to follow Christ, and, and, and there's things they don't know about. And with each new revelation, it's a new thing. They get hyper excited about it, and, and then they want to share it with everyone else because it's new information to them. Well, you and I, we're no different. No matter where you are in your journey, you're only going to give away what you've experienced, what you know. And what we know can determine what we think is possible. So when we look at our life experience, when we look at the people around us, when we think of ourselves, we are limited by what we know. 
If we have only heard that we're never going to amount to anything, if we only have uh, kind of lived in a box of somebody else's choosing, and that's all we know, we never stretch beyond those limitations. We don't dream beyond that moment. For Apollos, he was only speaking out of what he knew. If we've never experienced healing or comfort or peace in difficulty, we may not expect it when we face a challenge. You know, my, my family experienced a healing in my brother's life when he was healed from epilepsy when I was younger. It was a powerful healing. Well, every time I face a physical challenge in my life or my, my wife's life or my kids' life or people that I'm around, when I pray, I know God heals because I've experienced him, so I pray healing into the other person. But if I've never experienced that, I don't pray that way. There are people here today that you may have not experienced some things that are in the word of God in your life, so you don't expect it to happen when you step out and pray for things. And I would just like to say, like Apollos, there's new information about to come your way. And once you know, you can never go back. Can I get an amen? If a person is raised in any form of dysfunction, it's all that they know. And they will instinctively live out what they've already seen unless someone gives them a different picture of what is possible. That's why kids repeat the errors of their parents, unless something is intervened. That's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God gives us a way to walk, amen? It helps us know where to go. What was John's baptism? It says in there that he only knew John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. So it was preaching the gospel, telling other people about Jesus, and saying you need to repent. But it was limited. There wasn't the next step. It wasn't the full part of the picture, apparently. And it says in verse 26 that Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. In other words, they pulled him aside, and they said, there's more to the story than you know about. Apollos had a pure heart. He wasn't saying anything wrong. He was just missing part of the story. So Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside so that they can talk to him. Did you know that even great leaders need to be taken aside occasionally so that they can give more? You and I, just because we're a certain uh, length of the journey down the road and we're, we're growing or maybe we have a certain level of success, even the people that have success need to be pulled aside sometimes because there's a whole world of opportunity out there that we may not be accessing. There might be more to your story than you know about right now. There might be more possible than you could ever imagine right now, and you might need somebody to pull you aside. You might need somebody to say, hey, hey, you know, there's more to this story than you think. I've had people in my life that have helped me with things like that. Pastor Mark Denius, the founding pastor of this church, he would pull me aside regularly <laughs> on Thursday after my Wednesday night sermon, and he would clarify things for me that I should probably change or adapt or grow in. But I remember I went to him one time, and I'm like, Pastor, I don't know what to preach. I've got this message and this message and this subject and that subject. I've got illustrations for this and that. And he didn't care about the two messages I was presenting to him. What he said was, Nate, when in doubt, preach the word. In other words, get out of the confusion and recognize that hope is found in this. Even if you don't feel it, preach the word. As a young preacher, that was really helpful to me because I know that there are times where what I have to say doesn't mean anything to anybody. But the word of God lives on forever. Can I get an Amen. 
Some of us need mentors in our areas of weakness. Maybe we need people to speak into our life in ways that we haven't before. There are some things in our world that we need to know. There's some things that we need to stretch beyond. And maybe after we hear or know or have a revelation, maybe life will be different on the other side. Things like this, that Jesus will use you to reach your friends. You know, Jesus' plan wasn't that the pastor would preach to the whole world. Jesus' plan was that sheep would be raised up underneath him and sheep reproduce sheep. Jesus told his disciples, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. Raise up disciples. You raise up disciples, teaching them to follow my words. Jesus was saying it to ordinary people. They were to go. It isn't the pastor that leads the world to the Lord. It's the church. Can I get an amen? And so as you think about it, once you realize that God actually wants to partner with you, you approach your relationships differently. If you think it's somebody else's responsibility, you let somebody else handle it. But once you get the burden for yourself, now you approach your life from a completely different angle. You begin to realize that God sends people in your life, even the people that bug you. Come on, somebody. Because he's called you to be the one to be salt and light in the world that you live in. Maybe he wants to expand your friendships beyond the, the uh, socioeconomic and religious and ethnic groups that are around you. Maybe there's people that you've yet to learn that are great and could bring great value to your life. Just this past week, uh, about a week and a half ago, um, one of our neighbors was tragically killed in a hit-and-run accident. He was walking down the sidewalk. A guy came through and hit him and took off. And it really caught a lot of attention in the North Twin Cities and the media. And I had happened to walk down that night, um, and the whole neighborhood was out, and I was talking to people. And I was talking to my neighbors that I had never seen before. And one of the things that I discovered, you know, we've been in the same neighborhood for uh, 13 years now, almost 14 years, is that over time people have come and gone, and I don't have the same energy to know my neighbors like I used to. You know what I'm talking about? And so I'm all of a sudden meeting people left and right out there around this tragedy that I didn't even know were there. And I'm like, man, I got some cool neighbors. I got some people in the, in the neighborhood that I don't even know because all we do is we pull into the driveway, hit the garage door button, and then pull in and then get out and go into the kitchen. I don't always get to see my neighbors. Well, the next day after the, the tragedy, the news media was out on our street and stuff, and in the morning I got a phone call saying that the widow and the family needed uh, a pastor. And a neighbor somehow had connected the dots that I was a pastor, and so I walked over there and went into the house and uh, was struck by how beautiful the people were, and they were hurting, and I was burdened for them. And the wife, she was Laotian, and her culture and her uh, had a certain way of handling tragedy, and her husband was Honduran, so her family spoke Laotian, and his family spoke Spanish, and they were married for five years, and they just moved into the neighborhood one month ago. And so I began to meet many people that were gracious and kind. I don't have a circle of friendships where I'm often with Laotian people, but boy, are they beautiful. And the loving kindness and the, the care and the food, I mean, they can cook. And it was amazing. And then... And then uh, we were out, and it was a rally of our neighbors as we wanted to support this family. And uh, the father of this, this uh, man, young man that was killed 
uh, came up and spoke to the group, and he was a man of God, and I was just blown away. And he talked about how God had brought them here as a result of Hurricane Mitch that had wiped out their town uh, back in the late 90s, and that's how they landed in Minnesota. And their family had grown over time, and, and it was a powerful story. And I'm like, this is a man of God. And then uh, I fast forward, the funeral was yesterday. And uh, we, we did the funeral, and I, I served as the lead pastor for that. But we had a Hispanic uh, a pastor from the south side of the Twin Cities, and a pastor representing the Laotian community. It was actually from New Brighton. And the three of us did it together, and they spoke in their native tongue to the audience that was there, and then I spoke in English. And it was a powerful experience. And I'm telling you, I don't ordinarily get to rub shoulders with some of these people, but the Spirit of God led us there. And I was blown away as God expanded my territory. I love those people, and they love me back. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And now that I know, I want to connect more with them. Are you hearing me? When we don't want to cross those borders, and we don't have friendships, and we don't access people that are outside our current box, that's how racism sits in. That's how weird boundaries set in. And we don't reach people. We don't care about them. It's easier to disparage people and to talk negatively about whole groups of people when we don't have them as friends. But once we have them as friends, it changes everything. You hear what I'm saying? You'll pray and worship different when you realize that he actually hears you. Did you know that God actually hears your voice? He doesn't hear my voice better than he hears yours. He actually hears your voice and he responds to you. And once that light bulb goes on, you worship differently because you realize God is here. I know him, I'm connected. It's not some religious ideal or, or some kind of form of liturgy. It's an actual relationship between me and God. I'll pray differently when I know that God actually hears my prayers. And I'm saying this today knowing that many of you have had moments in your experience where you know God did hear you and you were hearing him. But how easy is it for us to drift away from that and to worship differently when we get an opportunity or pray smaller prayers than we could pray we can be greater people of faith when our light bulb goes on and we recognize it's everything is different now so now you know can I get an amen it changes everything so Apollos leaves Ephesus after Priscilla and Aquila talk to him and he leaves that town of Ephesus and in comes the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19, he comes into Ephesus and he bumps into some of the Christians that Apollos had been preaching to before he knew about it. And as he bumps into them, he begins to communicate things that may seem new to some of those people. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. And he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. 
But John, told himself, John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. This is a powerful moment. He asks a question. He says, you heard the gospel. Essentially, he was coming to church, and all they knew was that moment of entry into salvation. And he's asking the question, did you get the other part of the story? Have you got the full part of the story? You see, the apostles, this was a really big deal to them. The apostles, as they saw the church grow, they wanted to make sure that the believers were actually living out the life that Jesus had talked to them about. They wanted to make sure that they were exposed to the truth of the Scripture and the reality that God would be with them just as he was with the disciples, the apostles. And they were really thinking in terms of this is what Jesus told us to do. You see, the disciples, when they were with Jesus, they spent three and a half years or so with Jesus, and they heard every lesson. Can you imagine Jesus was the best preacher you ever heard? Can you imagine the stories and the truth and the depth of the Scripture and, and how you could talk to the Savior and he would share the truth? I'm, a, I'm even wondering, what else could they know? I mean, they got it all. They got what Jesus was telling them. But Jesus himself said, there's more. Jesus himself said, I got some more stuff to give you, but I'm not going to be the one that gives you. The Holy Spirit's going to be the one that gives it to you. In fact, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus said, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. See, Jesus was the one that said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the sender. Say that with me. Jesus is the sender. See, people come to know Jesus, but they only know part of Jesus. They only know the Jesus that saves us from our sins. Did you know that Jesus also sends the Holy Spirit? Did you know that Jesus is also called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus does far more than save you from your sins. Jesus gives you the way, the truth, and the life to live. He is the center of our life, but he unfolds opportunity for you that you might not have heard about yet, and Jesus is the sender. In Acts chapter 1, this is still Jesus with the apostles, or with the disciples in verse 4. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, there is always more of God to be experienced. And Jesus was saying there will be more. And if you haven't experienced healing yet, when you do, you will pray different because it's now I know. When you experience the peace of the Holy Spirit and the inner joy, and you learn to experience that you can walk with him with faith for your next challenge, now you can say, now I know. 
Jesus said that there is more in the Holy Spirit and the church was to proclaim it. So I ask you the question that Paul asked the group in Ephesus. Do you know Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit or the initiator? You might know Jesus as your Savior, but do you know him as your baptizer in the Holy Spirit? And some people would say, well, I'm afraid of that. It's, it's kind of weird. I, I heard different things about it. I've seen people do crazy, stupid things, and they get scared. But I want you to go back to the one that you trusted with your life in the first place. Did you trust Jesus with your whole life? And if you trust Jesus, you can trust him as your baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of that. And perhaps you come from many different disciplines. I know over time, different churches uh, have different perspectives on the journey of faith. Some churches, they teach you a certain thing. And I know that even in this church, many of you, your faith journey had other churches involved before you became a part of Emmanuel. And you received different teachings. And maybe one of the teachings you received said stuff that was negative about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I just want you to say this. I, I, I don't want to argue who, which church is right. I just want to go back to the Bible and ask the question, do you have everything that Jesus said you could have? Are you following him all the way in his instructions? And are you struggling, perhaps, wondering if he's with you uh, after you got saved? And all you need to know is, is the Holy Spirit is with you, and you can make it through if you receive Jesus as your baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I love what happened when Peter saw this happening throughout the book of Acts as they went from town to town. He came back to Jerusalem and shared the story of what was happening when they would talk about people in Acts chapter 11. It says that as I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? This is a beautiful picture because Peter is describing that the Spirit's gift, the baptism of the Spirit, was not just for a select group of elite religious people that were a part of Jesus' inner circle. It was spreading to everyone. And now this very moment, it was spreading to what previously could not go to, the Gentiles anyone that was not a Jew. And Peter was essentially saying, because the Holy Spirit was on them too, we knew they were a part of the body of Christ. And the activity of the Holy Spirit and other believers, there was something that just it sent a shockwave throughout the church because they realized, wow, God is moving in ordinary, everyday people. It was a fulfillment of the promise of the book of Joel in the Old Testament. When God said, I'll pour out my spirit on everyone, sons and daughters would prophesy that there would be the fulfillment of what God talked about before. Now it was available forever and for everyone. And I want you to know this, it didn't end in the first century. The Spirit and its promise and what Peter was talking about, Paul was talking about, what Priscilla and Aquila told Apollos is available for people in 2016. And you don't have to come from the right church background. You don't have to run through a whole bunch of hoops. You don't have to memorize a whole bunch of rules. You don't have to become a member of this church to receive all that the Spirit has available for you. There's more where that came from. And so now you know. And now that you know, you have the opportunity to receive that all that God has for you. So turn to the person next to you and say, so now you know.
What does the Holy Spirit do in a practical way with us? I believe he becomes the one in which we feel connected to God and we can know that he's with us. It doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't mean that we, he all of a sudden comes in and does the laundry for us. That he makes, makes life super easy. As a matter of fact, you still got to put your pants on in the morning. You still got to put makeup on, some of you. All of you need to take a shower, <laughs> right? He doesn't do that for you. You got to do that for yourself. But what you know is that in the activities that God has for you and the divine plan he has for you, you have a responsibility to receive from him the mission, but he also empowers you to get things done that you could not on your own. I'll tell you what, in my journey, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I know that when I get up in the morning, Holy Spirit is waiting for me. And I don't feel great in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Some of you might identify with me. Others of you wake up talking. It takes me a couple hours and a cup of coffee before I'm ready to talk. But when I get up, I start praying, and I pray in my spiritual language the Lord's given me. Some people call that tongues or whatever else, but it's personal between me and God. And I can talk to him before I'm ready, and I know God is with me. And I believe that God will partner with us. I don't think it's right that only the pastor could do that. I think everybody should be able to interrelate with God. I think everybody should have a relationship with Holy Spirit. That's the promise of the scripture. I remember a time when uh, we were younger and uh, our boys were younger. Tim, Timmy was uh, always wanting to do things his older brothers did. So there was a time when he wanted to mow the lawn. He's like, can I mow the lawn? Can I mow the lawn? Can I cut the grass? And we're like, not yet, Tim. We're afraid that his foot's going to get up underneath the mower and something might happen on our hill or whatever. And he was pretty young. And so he's always wanted to do it. Well, one day, I'm in the kitchen, and I'm sitting down, and I look out in the backyard, and Jody decided to cut the grass. And a few minutes later, I look out, and Tim is cutting the grass with her. He's on the low bar of the lawnmower, and Jody's on the top of the lawnmower, and they're walking together and cutting the grass. About 15 minutes later, Tim runs in the front door and goes, Dad, Dad, guess what? I said, what? He said, I mowed the lawn. And the truth was, he did. But he had his mom around him to guide him and protect him and to help him finish it. That's what baptism of the Spirit does. You go about your life, but you have the Spirit around you, helping you finish what you could not, helping you avoid things that you shouldn't go down. And he helps empower you when you feel like you're stuck. He knows how to fix a lawnmower. Come on, somebody. He can fix your journey, too. Sometimes we feel like we're lost and we don't know. Where is God? I felt him in church on Sunday, but I sure don't feel him right now. We feel lost as if we're out in the wilderness and it's as if, as if we don't know which direction to go. We're confused. Well, the Holy Spirit and Spirit baptism is nothing more than that relationship with God. It's like GPS. You pull out your GPS, it bounces off the satellite, it comes back down and it tells you where you are so you feel secure again. For me, when I start and I don't know what to do and I'm frustrated, I pull aside and I start praying. And I know that God is with me. And my spiritual language is one way that that helps me. And I pray in the spirit. 
All of a sudden, I know God is with me. I might not have direction. I might not even know what to do next, but I know God is with me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Are you following what I'm saying? When it talks about in the scripture that the, the, the spirit gives gifts and there's things that can be done corporately and there's words of knowledge and wisdom and tongues and interpretation later on that are more corporate and for the body. But I think that the most important part is for us individually to embrace all that Jesus has for us. There's more available. And now that you know, you can't go back. So my prayer for us today is this, that every one of us can say, now I know. I want to read that opening text again in Acts chapter 19. Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 4 said, Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. I believe that we can trust him. I believe that we can trust him in a, such a way that we can just say, God, I trust you. You don't have to understand Holy Spirit. In fact, there's a part of following and receiving Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives that bypasses our intellect. Because we, we, if we rely on our intellect, you know what happens? We control things. But God won't be controlled. And so there is an element of faith in saying, God, I trust you. And as you pray today, as you worship God, we're about to transition to worship in our campuses. I want to encourage everyone under the sound of my voice to connect with God for yourself. You can say, if you've yet to experience spirit baptism, you can say, Jesus, there's a part of you I don't know yet. I don't know you as my baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be afraid and you don't need to rush it, but you can just begin to follow. And not everyone understands not everyone understands it, but that's okay. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I need to follow you and all that you have for me. And see if he doesn't do what happened in the book of Acts with you. There are some people that receive baptism in the Spirit right while we're singing in here today. There are others that will privately go home and look at the Word of God, and they'll study the Word, and they'll pray, and he'll meet you right there. I don't want you to feel the pressure or the rush. I just want you to be open, and not to getting something, but to knowing someone. And to say, I want to know you more. I want you to expand my territory. I want you to go outside my box so that now I can know. And as I know him, my life will change.